Hi, and welcome to episode 80 of the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Averbach, CEO and Publisher at iPhone Life. And I'm Sarah Kingsbury, Senior Web Editor at iPhone Life. Sorry, I'm laughing at our squeaky chairs. That's we, have new, we chairs. have new chairs. They're extra comfortable, so we'll be less fidgety. That's the good news. The bad news is when we're fidgety, they squeak a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you're wondering what that is, that's what it is. <laughs> so as you know, if you've been listening, each episode we bring to you the best apps, great gear, and current events in the iOS world. This week, we'll also be talking to you about WWDC, which is coming up in June, and some of the rumors we've been hearing about products that Apple may be releasing at that time. So stay tuned. First, we want to tell you about our sponsor, OtterBox, with their Pursuit series of cases that David has here for us. Yeah, well, I'm, I love these cases. I'm a huge fan of OtterBox in general, but what's great about these cases is they're, they're both protective, as you would expect for OtterBox, but also sleeker than a typical OtterBox case. So they're really thin design, but still have all the protection you would expect. They have dust, mud, dirt, snow protection, uh, and they are very affordable as well. And so we'll put a link to the Pursuit series. Yeah, OtterBox usually I think of as like their OtterBox signature cases are all kind of bulkier. Yeah. And I mean, they're awesome for Mm -hmm. any kind of rugged use, but they have a lot of cases too that are a lot you know, they're great just for being in the city or whatever you're doing. They've done a great job in recent years of having cases for people who are, like you're saying, don't need the full level of protection that you do if you're outdoors where because that adds bulk, but Mm -hmm. have very protective cases that are still uh, thin. Yeah. So um, we want to tell you about our favorite tip this episode. We each episode we... Um, share a tip from our tip of the day newsletter, which you can go to sign up for at iphonelife.com slash daily tips. This newsletter gives you a one minute tip each day that teaches you how to get the most out of your iPhone. And you know, our phones have so many capabilities at this point, it's hard to keep up with it. And this helps you do that in a really easy way. So our tip this week is how to set a default credit card or remove an outdated card in Apple Pay on your iPhone. Um, I chose this as my favorite tip because I had like a couple of months where I had an outdated card on my Apple Pay and just somehow it's like a bigger mental block about going into your settings than (laughs) it really should be. And so I just like let it drag on for too long. So this was my favorite tip and that all you have to do is go into settings, wallet and Apple Pay and right there it'll show you all your cards that you've registered in Apple Pay. You can really easily delete them there um, and add new ones and change, change which one is your default card too, which is very useful and easy and so you don't need to just let it let it go on for a long time like i did i, I agree i had the same thing i had a weird mental block about it and then when i went to do it it was so easy yeah for the uh, go ahead sir just speaking of mental blocks actually <laughs> i don't know how many like apple watches or iphones ago it was i just never bothered to reset up apple pay because of my mental blocks uh-huh. so uh I don't even You still have it? Oh, I was just getting ready to say I love Apple Pay. It's one of my favorite features that Apple has come out with in the last few years, and I use it whenever I can. What about you guys? So obviously you don't, Sarah. I love Apple Pay. I mean, I do think it's it's not set up at enough stores now that it's just like a no-brainer that I can go to check out and use my Apple Pay. So therefore, sometimes I don't. But in our town, we know the places by now that do. And so you can, like, I do use it at the grocery store. Yeah, and there are more and more places. And... One thing that's also bothering me is 
my bank does not have it either. And mostly I use my debit card. And so, you know, I think I'm going to have to switch banks. (laughs) And that's like a big pain too. Yeah. That's a huge pain. Yeah, that is a pain. The one thing I don't like about it, and it's a very silly complaint, but my phone is fine for some reason. Whenever I use my Apple Watch, everybody wants to talk to me about it. Do you have this? Yeah, everyone's like, ooh, you're so fancy. Yeah, like, what a time to be alive. <laughs> and it's like the first time you get it, like, yeah, this is so cool and new. And then it's like the hundredth time somebody tries to talk to you about how unique it is to pay with, with your Apple Watch. You're like, I get it. It's fine. Can I just buy my coffee and leave? <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> totally. And now I even have, like, because I haven't been wearing my Apple Watch that much lately, I'll have at the places where I usually use it, they'll be like, where's your Apple Watch? I have the same thing. Oh, wow. You guys are not talking me into using it. It's really it does funny. create a lot I mean, of weird conversations. I think this is more of, like, a small town life yeah, complaint yeah. than yeah. Apple I mean, Watch complaints. We don't have a Starbucks in our town because it's pretty small, but that's fine. We have a really great coffee shop. But when I'm outside of our town, um, I have, like, a Starbucks card on my phone and Mm -hmm. I use it to pay all the time and nobody says anything because everyone does that. Yeah, exactly. It's a small town thing. Uh, In general, I love Apple Pay though. Back to this tip. Um, (laughs) One thing that I think like part of my mental block is that uh, Safari autofill credit cards is in a different place than your wallet and Apple Pay. So I also have some outdated credit cards when I'm trying to shop online on, mm-hmm. on, in Safari. And somehow I thought like they must both be in the same place in They're my settings. No, yeah. So so that's something I also need to go into my Safari <laughs> settings. And there's an autofill section there where you can update your cards there as well. So I think that might be where some of the confusion comes in for some people. At least it was for me. But if you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips, we will clear up a lot of confusion in many different ways for you. <laughs> I also, and it's free. I also, for the record, love that second half of Apple Pay, which is you can pay through apps and on Safari from your uh, phone and yeah. computer with Apple mm-hmm. Pay. It's so quick and convenient and more apps need to do it. Yeah. Like when new Apple devices come out and you go into the app the um, Apple Store app on your iPhone. Yeah, it's so easy to buy so stuff because nice. yeah. they, mm-hmm. of course, use Apple Pay. Um, so next up, we want to talk to you about our iPhone Life Insider subscription. And this is our paid premium service where you get uh, courses on how to use your iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, all of your iOS devices, and also a lot of content on third-party apps. Uh, we also have our daily tips in video version, so you can like walk through exactly how to do it. it. Makes it a lot easier for you. We have an archive of over 800 tips now in yeah. the Insider, which is crazy. It is crazy. It's amazing. Um, and we also you get a digital subscription to the magazine and our full ar- archive of issues, which we also have a ton of those. And another feature that. Um, that we'll be getting into right now is ask an editor where if you have any tech question that you're not easily finding an answer to just email sarah and she'll help you solve your problem she's helped so many people <laughs> solve different problems solve at so this many point. problems <laughs> so um you know, we want to share with you a recent insider question that sarah helped with well this is a really actually simple question that is not actually that solvable <laughs> um, you can solve it but it's not simple so the question was, how do I record a call on my iPhone? Uh, and um, the answer is, Apple basically is not set up to let you just do that. You can't like say record it on voice memo. Um, and I suspect part of the reason is is that there's issues of legality. There's a lot um, of legal issues around recording phone calls. Right. Well, what about with the screen recording feature from Control Center? You can't do that. Hmm. That's a good question. I don't. I don't know. 
actually. We'll have to <laughs> you test that out. You can record audio with the screen recording feature. Whether or not Apple has deliberately disabled um, yeah, it for a phone call, because, I don't know. Yeah, it, like all their other recording things, they have made it so that you can't. Um, but it's because in some states, some states let you, as long as, you know, one person consents to it, you can record. But, you know, a lot of states, both people have to consent to being recorded. And so make sure if you use any of the methods I tell you that you can use to record, that you record both of you saying that, you know, indicating you consent to being recorded. Or at don't, least look up the laws in your state. Don't get in trouble. Yeah. So uh, there's a couple apps you could use. Um, the Google Voice app is free, and um, it's a pretty simple way to record calls, but it only does incoming calls. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, Skype is a really good one. Uh, that's the one I've used the most. Um, there's apps that you can get that you use in conjunction with Skype um, that will record your call. You can't use a headphone, though, or it won't record the other person's voice. Are you, is this, is, you can use with a computer or with your phone? With your phone. Oh, okay. And so um, one of the highest rating, rated apps on the uh, App Store for this purpose is called Audio Memos. Um, there's probably other ones, but um, those are two of the most highly regarded apps for this purpose. Um, there's some pretty sketchy apps actually that yeah, can record. Not I've surprisingly. looked into this before. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, be careful about what you choose. Make sure that it's highly rated, has good reviews, has been recently updated. Um, if it costs ten dollars, don't get it. Um, <laughs> and then so another thing is if you have to do this a lot, um, and this is probably if I still did a lot of interviews like I used to, mm-hmm. um, is probably what I would choose to do is you can actually buy some hardware. Um, and for instance, the eSonic U2 cell phone recorder is one. Um, and it, it is meant to work with a headphone jack, so you'd have to use an adapter. But if you, for whatever reason, for work purposes, need to record calls a lot, that is a good option. And cool. we we use uh, Skype software, which I'm blanking on the name of, so we'll have to link to it at yeah. podcast at iphonelife.com slash podcast. Because uh, for this exact thing, we do video. If we do video interviews, we'll Skype and use a screen. It's a it's a plugin for Skype uh, on your desktop. Yeah, and it's cool because it allows you to split the audio tracks up, so you can have you and them. So you, for example, if the volumes are at different levels, you can adjust them. Uh, if there's an echo, you can deal with it. So we'll we'll link to that. It was about right. twenty dollars. Honestly, yeah, I would say well. yeah. I would say do it on your computer. Yeah. There's a lot more options. Yeah. Also, don't be sketchy. Like, do it for legitimate reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so moving into our news section of the week, well, just you know, to wrap it up, iPhoneLife.com/insider is where you can go to sign up and learn more. Um, but moving into our news section of the week, we want to get into some of the WWDC rumors. All right. So for those of you who don't know, WWDC is stands for the Worldwide Developers Conference that Apple holds every June. Um, and that's they invite developers from around the world to get together and have lots of meetings and sessions. And also, Apple tends to release products at this time along with the latest iOS update. So that's where we'll be. Uh, Apple will be. 
um, showcasing and demoing iOS 12, which you know we've been talking about in recent episodes. Uh, but also, Apple is rumored to be releasing a new MacBook Air, or basically an entry-level MacBook. There's mixed rumors on whether it'll be an Air officially or not, but that it could be starting as cheap as $799, it could be starting at $1,000. So we're not totally sure on that. Um, I have a comment on that. Okay. Uh, my girlfriend just bought a, an entry-level Mac, and they have three computers that are around the same price, and it's a really confusing lineup right now. Mm-hmm. I know we don't usually cover computers very much, but they have the MacBook, which is a 12-inch computer. They have the MacBook Air, which comes in 11-inch and 13-inch. The MacBook uh, ironically, is actually lighter than the MacBook Air. Uh, <laughs> and they have the MacBook Pro, which comes in 13-inch. All of them are around that $1,000 mark. I think the MacBook Pro is 1300 And it's really, like, I, I spent, she was asking my opinion of what to buy, and I spent hours trying to figure out the pros and cons between all three of them, and it's mm-hmm. really annoying. So they, I'm, hopefully, as they release these products, they'll clean up their kind of entry-level Mac product lineup because it's they have three laptops that are all comparable but have different pros and cons and it's really confusing yeah they really need to clean it up yeah well the macbook pro isn't as comparable isn't it because it's a lot more powerful it's more powerful it's not as light uh it cost but part of what gets confusing is the entry level entry level versions don't have the specs that you want. So I mm-hmm. really, if you do get a laptop, I know we're off in the weeds here, I highly recommend getting 16 gigabytes of RAM, not eight gigabytes of RAM. Yeah. So then you end up with different, the the entry level of the MacBook, not MacBook Pro or MacBook Air, <laughs> uh, hat comes with 16 gigabytes of RAM. So like to figure out what feature sets you actually need to have a useful computer and how much they cost. Because right. to, to me, eight gigabytes of RAM on a MacBook Pro actually is not as good as 16 gigabytes of RAM on a MacBook, even though the processor. Saying, yeah. the, it, it's a really confusing area because yeah. you have RAM, the processor speed, you have the size, the, the weight, and all of that gets really hard to figure out what computer to buy. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see whether Apple cleans it up or just makes it more confusing yeah. with their new MacBook. Um, it's expected to be 13.3 inches. Okay. And uh, I believe have a Retina display. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, so the other the other rumors have been about iPads. There are some rumors about a new entry-level iPad and then also an iPad Pro with Face ID and the slimmer bezels and no home button. That So sort of like the iPhone 10 of iPads. Uh-huh. Um, and are, what do you guys think? Would you guys be excited about something like this? So excited. <laughs> I mean, I've actually been waiting to see if Apple will release a new iPad Pro because I've been planning to buy one. And then I decided to wait and I got a HomePod instead, which we know how I feel about that. Um, I don't know how I feel about the Face ID thing. I mean, maybe I just wouldn't enable it. I don't like Face ID. Generally, it doesn't work for me. And I enter my passcode constantly. Um, and I've so set it up weird. multiple That's times. So not my trouble, experience. been troubleshooting mm-hmm. a lot. Um, yeah, really. I think part of the problem is I'm blind. And if I'm in bed and I don't have my glasses on, you have to hold the phone a certain distance from your face in order for t- mm. face ID to work. And I'm usually like, <laughs> so that's, it's probably my fault. Um, so I could maybe not enable it, but iPads don't seem to me to be such personal devices as an iPhone. I don't know. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I don't have my iPad locked actually, so it's less of an issue for me because it's just sits in my room 90% of the time. If I take it to travel, mm-hmm, I lock interesting. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can also, for the record, this is one of my complaints for the HomePod. It doesn't recognize voices, so you can walk up and say, read me my text messages, and they'll just read all of my text messages to you. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I, I have an iPad Air, which has become borderline unusable. Uh, with the new operating systems. I'm kind of annoyed at Apple about it, but it's pretty old at this point. It's, you know, five, six years old. So I've been wanting to get a new iPad because I love, love, love my iPad. (laughs) And I've been waiting for this because I knew that I I figured they would come out with one that had no bezel and I've been waiting for it. So I'm really excited. I'm just like seeing the uh, Apple fanboy coming out and being like, I've been waiting for years. (laughs) I try to be this objective commentator, but (laughs) we cover this stuff. We love it. (laughs) One interesting thing about these iPad rumors is that the new iPad Pro is not expected to get an OLED display. I mean, that makes sense to me in that... OLED displays are really expensive, and so it's one thing to put it. I mean, I heard rumors that the OLED display on this on the phone cost. I was like, two fifty. It was like two fifty. Uh, wait, is that two fifty to us or two fifty to them? Oh, to replace. Yeah, but it cost Apple like a hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars, and so whereas the LED screen on this was, uh, it was like fifty dollars. So it's way more expensive and i would imagine you know obviously from a much bigger display it's going to be way more expensive still and then you have to keep the price to a point where people it's not competing with entry-level max which we just talked about i mean it already is but if you mm-hmm. charge two thousand dollars for an ipad who's going to buy that so i yeah, get all so you the think trade-offs it's probably the price i think it's yeah i mean that's that was the whole reason or a large contributing factor to why the iPhone 10 was so expensive in the first place. So I think they're trying to avoid that again, except for like with a multiple because an iPad is such a bigger screen. Yeah, that's a good point. It was interesting too, because I just assumed they do edge to edge also. And the rumors were saying it'd be a slimmer bezel, maybe with a notch, maybe uh, not, but not a complete edge to edge. Depending on if the bezel is really thin, then it probably will have a notch at the top. Uh-huh. Uh, but if it's... Uh, if it's a little thicker, they could probably fit all of the Face ID sensors they need to without creating that notch oh. at the top. I personally don't know why. Like, the notch isn't a big deal. Like, I feel like people are always like, People hate on it, notch. and I think that's dumb. Yeah, it's, like, it's not really hurting your experience <laughs> yeah, that much. Yeah, it doesn't hurt my experience, and I, I love edge to edge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the, when you look at iPhone 8s or previous versions, that area of the phone was not used by anything useful. It was just a little black bar that had the 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 like different whatever icons on it yeah i'm a little bummed that they're not they that it probably won't have oled just because that is part of the appeal of having like an iphone 10 uh like ipad where you have this amazing display you've got face id which i I really i've had a good experience with face id overall um so that actually is a selling point to me and we we've in the office just held up the iphone 10 to the iphone 8 and compared and it's no it's markedly different like it's really noticeable yeah i don't think i would get a new ipad pro though just weighing in on that because i actually i don't use ipads that much i've had the we have an office one and then i also have had one myself in the past and just for whatever reason, I feel like I just need a laptop or my iPhone. I've really tried to get into it and just haven't been that successful at it. 
I actually recently, part of my desperation to get a new iPad, actually, I have, I used to have a computer at home and a computer in the office, and now I have a laptop that I use for both. Mm. And most of the time, I leave the laptop at the office because I use the iPad for at home most of the time. Now, my iPad is so slow nice. that it's actually becoming a problem. Uh, but if my iPad were faster, unless I'm doing, especially if I have a keyboard, I think it'd be totally fine. But unless I'm doing kind of work stuff where I need to be typing emails and spreadsheets and things mm-hmm. like that, I find just kind of typical browsing the web, checking email to be you like a it. better experience on the iPad. And it seems like you like it too, Sarah. I don't have one. She doesn't have it. But look, when you've used the Office One. Yeah. Enough to make you interested in buying one. Yeah. <laughs> I will say as a side comment, we have a budget in the for each person in the office for how much they spend on Apple products. And Apple's coming out with so many cool new products this year it's that hard I'm to dying. Choose. Yeah, I want to get them all. Yeah. I probably just will and pay out of pocket for it. But <laughs> yeah. So leading up to WWDC, we're going to have tons of coverage of all the rumors. And then we'll be live blogging during the event. So... This is our first uh, episode of the season where we're talking about WWDC, but there'll be more to come. So definitely continue to follow our coverage. You can follow us at iPhoneLife.com and then also here with the podcast. So moving on, uh, I want to share our second sponsor of the episode, and that's GoBuddy and their Universal Mount. yeah, so I'm pretty obsessed with this product. I love GoBuddy because what they do is it's a small business and they come up with really practical solutions to real life problems. So one of their main products where I'm not featuring today, but I just want to mention it, is they have a little clip that you attach to either your ear pods or your AirPods that keep it from falling out of your ear. So really practical product. What they have today is a universal mount. And what it does is it helps you to deal with all the cord mess that we all have at our home and our office, either with around your TV or at the office we have, I have, I share an office with two other people. We all have monitors and laptops and the cables are just a mess. So what you can do is you can use this mounting system and it basically is kind of a plastic sheet that has little areas to mount stuff and it comes with ways to mount it. And you can kind of tuck it all away under a desk or behind a TV or do things like that where it then keeps all your cables clean and organized and out of the way. Uh, and not unsightly. So it's also very affordable. It's $15. You can buy it on Amazon. We'll link to it uh, in the podcast. So iphonelife.com slash podcast. Cool. So last episode, we added a new column and we'll be continuing that with uh, tech mishaps or a new section of the podcast, excuse me. Um, This is inspired by a column that we have in the magazine where our readers have written in telling us their embarrassing tech fails, basically. Uh, anything from sending a text message to the wrong person, maybe to your boss instead of your spouse, <laughs> things like that, or to like dropping your phone and breaking it in some horrible way. So we wanted to start sharing some of our funny stories with you guys in the podcast and also give you a chance to share your stories with us if you email techmishaps at iphonelife.com with a 50 to, 50 to 100 word story you may be featured in the next issue of the magazine anonymously of course we won't share any incriminating evidence that it's you so here's our story um from last issue uh, we titled it crouching tiger broken iphone While I was visiting my sister, we decided to order some Chinese takeout and binge watch a few of our favorite shows. I volunteered to pick up the food. After paying, I was carrying our hefty order out to my car. 
I felt things starting to shift in my hands. I was carrying a lot of quality Chinese food in my arms, but I also had my brand new iPhone in my hand. I was about to drop something, either the food or the phone. Considering my dedication and passion for Chinese food, I decided to drop my phone. It was a split-second decision. As my phone plummeted to the ground in slow motion, of course, I saw a tiny pebble. I could feel it. My phone was going to land directly on the stone. After my phone hit the ground, I set the food down and picked up my phone. Shattered. I sighed, got in my car with my Chinese food and my broken phone, drove back to my sister's house, and binged. I stand by my decision. <laughs> I'm going to out this person. This was my girlfriend. <laughs> I wondered if you she would. She is very passionate about this Chinese food. This one is food. not that embarrassing. Yeah. So. Some of the other ones, maybe I won't out the people. Uh, I loved this, though, because I feel like I could relate. I was like, yes, if, you just, if you're like hungry and you get this amazing takeout, if anything, that's your priority. She's, if anything, she's underselling her passion for Chinese food, really. <laughs> that's amazing. I feel like I would probably end up dropping my phone. But not on purpose. Like, <laughs> I just like I usually just try to hold on to everything and then there's a weird instinct to protect food. I we we live in a small town where I often don't lock my car, and I notice like I'll sometimes forget to lock my car even if I have something expensive in it. If I have food in my car, for some reason my brain it. thinks lock this car. Oh my god, hey, I'm, this is a match made in heaven, David. <laughs> Actually, do you also I love don't Chinese love food? Chinese food. Oh. I know it's a problem. I, Thai food is my love. I love Thai yeah. food. Yeah, not Chinese food fan. Yeah. We're more fo- food compatible. I feel like we both love Ethiopian yeah. food. Sarah makes amazing everything. So, yeah, I love like, everything Sarah I have makes. Ethiopian food for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to our uh, podcast. Next up, we want to talk about our Apple complaints and learning section. Um, usually, this is complaints. This week, Looks like it's complaints. <laughs> oh, no, mine isn't a complaint. I mean, I already knew about this, um, but I just think it's cool. So I wanted to, and I'd kind of forgotten. So, you know, the usual way that you delete apps is you just hold, you know, press and hold on an app icon until they all start jiggling and then tap the X on any apps you want to delete. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know if you guys ever have like, you know, deleting remorse after. <laughs> um, it's kind of a good idea sometimes to do a different thing instead, which is to go into settings, iPhone storage, and um, it can take a few, even a few minutes to load, um, but it will load every single app you have and tell you how much storage it's taking up. And um, if you tap on the app, it will sometimes, um, it will actually show you like you have this particular data in this app and it's using this much storage and and you can delete it right from there and so you can kind of make a more informed decision um, about whether or not you should delete apps if it's not taking up a lot of space you know but you use it occasionally why not keep it so I, I like this as an alternative way to delete apps yeah, can I tell idea. you as a bonus complaint uh, what feature I really don't like that's related to that sure the feature and I thought I would like it the feature that automatically offloads your apps Mm -hmm. uh, that you aren't using. I thought it would be cool because it frees up space and like quite a bit of space. But what drives me crazy is there's often what I've realized is a lot of apps that I don't use regularly that use at very specific times. But when I do want to use them, I need them to be there. So for example, 
Uh, if I'm checking into a flight, I want to have my Southwest app available right. to me, but I don't use it on a daily basis. And it's uh, especially because I've been traveling a lot lately. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of apps that are either I use for travel or use very specific times. And I go to use them and then I have to download the app, which basically means yeah. the app's useless to me. Uh, and so I really don't like it. And I turned that off. I did Wait, too. why does that mean that it's useless to you, though? Because it doesn't take that long, right? It does if you're traveling and you're not always having good reception yeah well That's and true. also i have most of the apps that you have you can also access online and the reason why you use them on your phone instead of online for sort of different services like checking the weather or whatever is because it's quick Faster. and convenient but yeah. if it's not quick and convenient then you can usually solve the problem in other ways and i assume yeah. too that it would make you like re-log into apps uh yeah i think which so which is it, super lame too to have to deal with that yeah I, i'm not sure i'm not sure that it does I turned actually it off a long time ago. yeah it yeah. really <laughs> drove me crazy but it took me like months to like recover the damage that it had done because there's all these apps that because i'm not using regularly never got re-downloaded to my phone until i went to use them uh, so i also have a complaint okay. um mine is about the app switcher and so i'm aware that apps in the app switcher which is you know when you either double press the home button if you have one or swipe up halfway on the iphone 10 you see all of your recently used apps I'm aware that these apps are in standby mode. They're not running in the background and using my battery. So there's no reason I really should have to close them. But I like to be able to just easily swipe between my apps. And if I have ones in there that I'm not like using, it's just kind of in my way. And I wish that I could just clear all apps at once and start fresh. But there's no way to do that. You no. have to either like you can at most close three apps up at a time by swiping up with three fingers. Um, but... I, it just seems like one of those things, instead of going through and tapping each little X, there should be a clear all option. Because it's also really useful when your phone is being buggy and you mm -hmm. need to close out apps. Like sometimes you just want to like restart your phone, start fresh. If you restart your phone, do the, all the apps get cleared or do they not? I don't think so. Actually, I'm not sure actually. I should okay. check. I could check that as we speak, um, <laughs> as we go into our, our apps and gear section. I have a complaint too. That was my things. bonus complaint. Oh, I have that was a your second bonus complaint. complaint. Okay, let's yeah. hear it. So with the HomePod, I've been, one of the major things that the HomePod does is you can, by voice, control your home, your smart home accessories. I have two uh, smart home plugs that I have heaters plugged into that I use this feature all the time on. Because um, it, it, it turns into a weird thing with smart homes where like I have a space heater in my bathroom and the only way to turn it on is through my phone. <laughs> I mean, I guess there is a button somewhere on the plug, but like it's just a hassle to turn on without just using your phone. So with my HomePod, it's great. I can say turn on my bathroom heater. Um, but I have, I have, there's two problems with this. First of all, uh, it doesn't home smart home accessories are only set up per phone, not per household. Mm. So either each person has to go ahead and set it up, and I don't even know if multiple people can set up a, a device, or mm. only one person then can control your smart home accessories, which is really frustrating. Um, so, for example, if my girlfriend comes over, she can't turn on the bathroom heater <laughs> unless I turn it on for her, which is really silly. Um, the other thing that's driving me crazy is Nest does not work with HomeKit, which mm -hmm. it's like Nest is owned by Google. HomeKit, obviously, is an Apple product, and Google and Apple don't like each other, and I get that. But in this case, it's only hurting the consumers. It's only hurting 
people own nests and iPhones because you can't control it with each other. So I think these companies need to stop being petty and help their consumers out by letting me control uh, my Nest thermostat through HomeKit. Otherwise, next time I buy a thermostat, I won't buy a Nest because it's really nice to be able to use HomeKit and especially use my HomePod now to say, turn up the temperature, turn down the temperature. Mm -hmm. Which is probably exactly what Apple is like wanting to do, (laughs) but it's annoying. Yeah. You're right. um, That's annoying. I I did um, (laughs) just check. And when you restart your phone, the app switcher still has all your apps. Okay. Okay. That's annoying. So that's good to know. Um, So moving into our apps and gear section, this is our final section of the episode. Um, Sarah, you have some intriguing looking notebooks here. Right. So there, there's, a, there's really two types of people in the world. Uh-huh. There's people who like to take notes on like their computer or iPad. And then there's people who really need paper. And I'm, I'm very clearly in my iPad. My, my iPhone I really mode. need to write my things down. Um, but then of course, you know, you've got like notebooks and it's not digitized. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Rocketbook makes these notebooks and as an attempt at a solution. Um, the Everlast one, basically, you can use this notebook forever. It just has a few pages, and you can just wipe it clean. But before that, uh, you, if you see, we, this is being recorded on video also. So if you're watching the video, you can see. Otherwise, sorry. Um, there's this list of symbols, and you can choose where in the cloud you want to direct any note that has this symbol marked. Um, and then when you scan that page with the Rocketbook app, it will send that there. And then you'll have stored a digital version of your note That's in cool. the place you want it. And then you can just clean the note off and start again. Um, and then this one does that through microwaving. This is called the Rocketbook Wave. And um, so there's a lot more pages. But you can only microwave it five times. Which Whoa. Is... So do you use a normal pencil or what you do you use? You have to use a specific pen, but it's not like a pen that's hard to get. It's um, it's a pilot pen. It's the Flexion um, erasable pen. Okay. So it's not like a ridiculously expensive, hard to find pen. And you microwave it and it clears all the, the stuff? Entire... That's so yeah. cool. So, But I'm conflicted <laughs> about this because, you know, this is a $34 notebook, the microwavable one and the the one that you wipe clean is uh, $27. I'm the kind of person who like waits till like back to school shopping's over and I go like pick up all those notebooks for like, you know, like 50 cents, dollar um, on clearance. And I could just take a picture of that, like scan it into my phone and yeah, save it yeah, where yeah. I want it. And you could create a folder in your photos album. Right. Does it digitize the text? Well, see, if it did, that would be a huge advantage, it does but not. it doesn't. Oh. On the other hand, some cloud services like Microsoft OneNote do have, um, I think, handwriting conversion or at least the ability to search handwritten text. But I'd love to be able to, like, if I have something written down in a notebook, I often, I tend to write things with, like, double-spaced so I can go in and, like, make notes and revisions. And you can't do that once it's digitized. And Mm -hmm. if it can't convert it to text so I could edit it that way, it limits the usefulness. And so it's expensive. It's the usefulness is still limited, but it's a very cool idea. Uh-huh. And and you know, and if you don't care about paper, like there are iPad apps that you can just use, like a stylus or your Apple Pen pencil, to write, and it will convert the, your handwriting into text. So, 
But this is if you're really devoted to paper, but really also need to digitize. Um, and and mm-hmm. really anti just taking a picture of it for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. People who are really into writing on paper also tend to be really into hoarding their notebooks. So, yeah. It, clearly, you have a lot of strategies going on with notebooks that are just way beyond me. But um, hey, yeah. Talk to the people who are really into planners, okay? <laughs> I once practically got a PowerPoint presentation for my daughter on her $50 special planner that she had. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's a certain type of person who will get a lot of use out of this, and so I wanted to share it. Yeah, no, that's cool. really cool. I also have uh, gear that I wanted to share because it's cool but isn't flawless. Um, <laughs> mine is the pop socket and the pop socket vent mount. So as most of you know, if you've been listening for a while, a lot of us at the office enjoy pop sockets, which you just stick to the back of your phone, and that way you can have a easier holding position for your phone and also prop it up horizontally, which is really nice. And now they have this vent mount that you can put in your car. And I've been I've been wanting a solution like this in my car for a while. I'm also interested in, uh, you know, there are a lot of solutions out there. But this one is really cheap. It's $15, and you just clip it onto your air vent. It can work if you have a horizontal or vertical air vent. And then your pop socket just slides into place there, and so then you can easily rotate your phone horizontally or vertically and do your navigation in your phone. Um, My only thing is that my car, the air vents are really floppy and there's no way to like <laughs> tighten them. And so it basically just immediately kind of like drooped and mm. wasn't at a good angle for me. Mm. But I wanted to like offer it up to other people in the office because I know other cars that I've had, you can, uh, I think you can, a lot of them, you can even like tighten the air vent to just stay in one position. And so that would work a lot better. But that, that seems like the biggest downside of air vent yeah. mounts potentially is that they kind of just like, drop. <laughs> I'm excited to try this um, because PopSocket makes another one that uses an adhesive. And, you know, PopSockets you can actually remove and put on a different case or reposition it. But but the mounts, once you place it somewhere, it's there for good. And when you remove it, you can't put it anywhere else. Um, so I'm excited to try this just because I can switch from car to car or, you know, decide I want it in a different place. Um, so we'll just have to see how floppy my air vents are. <laughs> the pop socket other one, like the adhesive is damaged if you pull it up. So that's, yeah. oh, okay. I think I'm the only, I don't know if I'm the only, I'm I'm a pop socket hater. I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> it does don't block get wireless it. charging. Does it seriously? But look, it's so pretty. I have a picture of a peony <sighs> on it. That and everyone's are like, my favorite look, flower. you can hold it between your fingers. I'm like, I can just hold my phone. Well, you know, I feel like these became popular in the office when we all had um, seven pluses. Yeah. And now I'm just used to it. Like, I love being able to prop this up. Um, I don't drop my phone on my face anymore when I'm, like, looking at my phone in bed. Um, (laughs) Part part of my theory as to why I dislike it and you guys like it is I, I think that men tend to carry their phones in their pockets a lot more. Do you guys carry your phones in no. your pockets? I mean, no. See, that my, work. my girlfriend has one on her case, and so I often end up carrying her phone in my pocket. <laughs> and it's so annoying. You can't get it in your pocket. Yeah. It always sticks. Women have purses. Yeah, usually. exactly. Uh, exactly. Okay, I have an app, so I'm going to counter your guys' gear. Um, so... I used to do, I used to occasionally go to spin class and the gym I went to stopped having uh, bikes and spin classes. So I stopped doing it and I kept seeing on TV this commercial for the, I'm going to look up the name of it. Sorry, I I keep forgetting the name of it. Uh, Peloton bike. Have you guys seen this? 
We talked to them, oh, so, Donna. Yeah, we CES? talked to them at CES. Oh, yeah, that looked amazing. It, it's really cool. Basically, what it is is it's uh, um, it's a stationary bike with a screen mounted on it, and that screen can stream live classes from their studio in New York. You can also race other people. You can, yeah. They have like you can race <laughs> other people. They have a leaderboard, uh, and and you can access different things. Uh, and I thought it was really cool. And then we went to talk to him at CES, and it cost four thousand dollars for this bike. Uh, and I, I, I had been kind of the end of the long day, and I think I literally looked at this person and said, "That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard," because <laughs> uh, it was just too expensive. And then in addition to that, they were charging you. $80 per month for a quote-unquote gym membership. I know. I was like, wow, this really lost its and appeal basically fast. what it is is an iPad that's mounted to a bike, right? That, Let's call like, it what it is. That tunes you into the classes, yeah. So apparently they figured out that basically what it is an iPad mounted to a bike as well, and they've released an app that works for the iPhone and iPad, and you can stream their classes and use them on any stationary bike. So the app is ten dollars. Uh, they have ten dollars per month. Sorry, they have a which is kind of expensive, but if you use it regularly, it's cool. They have a um, free trial, fourteen day free trial, which I'm doing now. Cool. Uh, I tried it yesterday. I enjoyed it, and part of what I enjoyed is like I'm sure that you can go on YouTube and like find a spin class and just do it. But there's something about the live classes and the fact that like you're not doing the same video over and yeah. over. Like in the past, I've done kind of that type of thing. Like I did P90X, for example, and it's like I just got sick of doing the same video. And it, that's yeah. why I went to the classes. I really like that feeling. So was that the workout that I was like sending you all the like you yeah. rock David replies to? <laughs> that was it, yeah. David and I share activity on our Apple Watches. So every time he does a workout, I get a notification. That's another bonus complaint I have, actually. <laughs> I'm going to lots of bonus complaints. Uh, you can now on the Apple Watch, which is cool, is if you're doing a workout, they do multiple things. You can add it to the workout. Yeah. But apparently when you end the workout, it instead of sending one notification to all the people I'm like Apple Watch buddies with, it sends a notification for each activity I did. So I like ran, I, I did a bunch of things yesterday for like 10 minutes each. And so Sarah got like 10 different notifications I replied me. to all of them. I was so <laughs> encouraging and supportive. She was, it's true. Sarah's very supportive of my workouts. Sarah's the best Apple Watch yeah. activity sharing. Don and I are slackers. We yeah. never congratulate anyone. I think it's because we also don't work out That's that fine because like I always track my like five minute warm up and cool down walks on either side of my runs separately. So I'm oh, sure okay. every time I run, you get like three notifications. <laughs> okay. Uh, there are trade-offs to this, which are that... Um, First of all, the live classes, you have to be the right time and have the right time allotted. Uh, but uh, it has on-demand classes and has a bunch of on-demand classes. So yesterday I just did an on-demand for the right period of time. I wanted the right settings I wanted, which was nice. But it is first and foremost designed, the app is designed, I guess, they record all the sessions for the people who have their custom bikes. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, they reference the leaderboard, which I'm not on a leaderboard. It's a recorded class. They, their bikes have certain settings that they talked about using, which I didn't have on my bikes. So it's not perfect, but I'm going to keep trying it and see how I like it. Cool. You'll have to keep cool. us updated. Yeah. yeah. And this wraps up episode 80 of the iPhone Life podcast. Wow, 80. I know. It's amazing we've been doing this for so long. <laughs> Um, thanks to all of you who've been listening all this time. Yes. Uh, so this wraps up episode 80 of the iPhone Life podcast. Thank you so much for joining us as usual. 
Um, email us at podcast at iphonelife.com if you have any questions. We forgot to do a question of the week. We did forget I'm going to throw one out there that's a pretty broad one. All right. Thank, first of all, if you're still listening, we're at the end of the podcast. Thank you for still listening. Yeah. Uh, question of the week is, do you have a complaints of learning? Send us in your complaints and learning, and we'll start reading those on air, yeah. which will be fun. Yeah. And remember, too, to email your tech mishaps to us yes. at techmishaps at iphonelife.com. Yes. Thank all you. Right. Thanks, Thank everyone. you all.